A lot of people say that they don't read the Bible because they don't understand it. And as a Christian, I feel like it's my duty to teach it to you. Welcome to the Ghetto Bible Tales. I'm your host, Jerrica, and here we talk about biblical and spiritual things in a comical yet understandable way. We're going to learn, but we're going to laugh too. So grab your Bibles and your sense of humor and get ready for this. What's up, y'all? It's your girl, Jerrica, and I am back with another video. And today, we are still talking about Joseph. So get ready for this one. All right, y'all. So this is part two of um, our story on Joseph. If you didn't watch part one, please pause this video. I have linked part one in the description box. Please go check out that video, watch it, and then come back and watch this one. But if you've already watched part one, guess what we have to do before we get into part two? We got to discuss the rules of context. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. The rules of context are one language. The Bible wasn't originally written in English, people. It was originally written in ancient Greek and ancient Hebrew. Keep that in consideration when you're reading the Bible. Rule number two is history and culture. The history and culture of the Bible is of ancient Israel. Don't apply your modern day culture to the Bible because it's not going to work. Rule number three is reading the Bible as a whole. Too many times people misconstrue the Bible completely. In order to avoid all that, you need to read it from beginning to end. Genesis to Revelation as a whole. Final rule of context is the Holy Spirit. You got to talk to the Lord your God. Ask him to bestow his Holy Spirit upon you so that you may gain understanding of his book. Because through him is the only way that you will truly understand what you're reading. Once you have an understanding of the rules of context, we can proceed on in our story. So, part two of Joseph's story kicks off in Genesis chapter 39. We are going to be going through Genesis 39, 40, and 41. So, if you want to, you can pause the video, go read those chapters, and then come back. At the beginning of part two. We are at the point where Joseph has been sold into slavery. Um, read just a quick recap. The brothers hated him and they wanted to kill him. But one of the brothers convinced them to throw him in a pit and he was going to come back to get him. But by the time he got back to get him, they had sold him to some um, Arabics. So here we are at the beginning of part two. So Joseph is taken to Egypt and he is sold to a man named Potiphar, Pot Potiphar, P Potiphar. His name's at the bottom of the screen because y'all already know that I'm not good at pronouncing stuff. So the man's name is at the bottom of the screen. Potiphar or P or whatever. He is an officer of Pharaoh and he's the captain of the guard. So basically, he's like he's like the leader of the secret service, basically. And Joseph is a slave to this man. While Joseph is in this man's house, God takes care of him. He he elevates Joseph to a high position within this house. So he's over the servants. He's an overseer of the servants. So basically, uh, um, Joseph kind of functions as a house manager over the servants within Potiphar's house. And because of God taking care of Joseph, he 
in return takes care of Potiphar's house. So like everything Joseph touched basically turned to gold. And what I mean is he's blessed in everything that he does. And whomever he is around while he's being blessed, they also get blessed. So during this time, Potiphar's house is blessed. Like he, he, he's, his crops are blessed. His servants are blessed. Like he, he just have good reaping because Joseph is in his home. And like I said, because of all the good things that have started happening to Potiphar and his household, he realized that those things were because of Joseph. And because of that, he elevated Joseph to house manager. And that is how Joseph became to be over the house of Potiphar. The Bible mentions that um, Joseph is a, a nice looking young man. Like I told y'all, he's 17. So he's a teenager. He's a, a young man growing into his prime. And the Bible describes him as a very handsome man. And I'm, I'm assuming that Potiphar must be old because um, young Joseph catches the eye of Potiphar's wife. Day to day, she is trying to get them draws. <laughs> she's trying to get Joseph out of his clothes because this little fine little Hebrew boy is in her house young too he young and so every time that she propositions Joseph he politely declines he's very much a gentleman and Joseph also knows that he has a whole lot more to lose if he has sex with this woman so he never takes advantage of her. He always politely declines her. He even goes so far to not even be alone with her. He always makes sure that there is someone else within the vicinity if she's there. Because first of all, I, I believe he's very uncomfortable. This first of all, he's very uncomfortable that this, this woman is pushing up on him and she's married to his boss. Second of all, I think he's scared because he could get killed. Because honestly, he could get killed for, for sleeping with this married woman and your boss's wife at that. You know what I'm saying? So, he's very smart in making sure that there's always somebody around so that he ain't with her by himself. So, one day, he goes into the house and ain't nobody up in there but her. So, I honestly think, I think she set him up. To be honest, I think she set him up. And she um he had he 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 came in the house and she was there alone, propped up, thinking she looking good, and she trying to proposition him again. And Joseph is like, no ma'am, you know, I'm good, you married, you got a husband, this ain't gonna work. Well, she wouldn't say no for an answer. So she grabbing on Joseph. Like, she's just going to take his clothes off him. Like, and so Joseph was like, <laughs> you know, he shook the clothes off and got up out the house. Like, he ran. He was like, no, no, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. And this upset her a lot. Because, first of all, who this little Hebrew slave think he is that he can tell me no? I own him. But since he don't want to give me none, I'm going to say that he did. Because of this strong rejection from someone she feel like is beneath her, she lies and tells her husband that he tried to rape her. Um, and because of this, Joseph is thrown into prison immediately. Joseph is thrown into prison, and while he's in prison, 
once again, God takes care of him and he is elevated even within prison. One thing that Joseph's story can teach us is that as long as we remain true to God, he gonna handle the rest. And, and Joseph is testament to that. Like, God to kill him in every situation he was in, God to kill him. And what I like about Joseph is, at least not written in any of scripture is where he griped, moaned, or complained. He didn't gripe, moan, or complain about nothing. He didn't say, I did this for you, Lord. I'm good. I did this. And I'm still in this bad suit. He didn't say nothing. Because truthfully speaking, Joseph didn't did nothing wrong to deserve any of the thing, bad things that was happening to him. But he never groped. He never, he never griped. He never complained about it. And that's kind of like... I kind of want to draw like a, that's, this ain't even in my notes, but I want to draw a comparison between him and Job in that when Job was going through all that he was going through, Job kind of puffed his chest out and was a little prideful in the thought of, I'm a good man and I did this and I did that and I, I didn't deserve this and um, Joseph didn't do that. They Joseph never complained, at least, what, at least from what we have documented. Joseph have never complained about bad situations that he was in. He was in, he was in many undeserving situations, but he never complained. He continued to pray and praise God through all the bad things that he was going through. And God elevated him. God took care of him in every situation. And this is another example. He took care of him while he was in prison and he got elevated within prison. Like, can you say favor? So anyway, while Joseph is in prison, um, he meets the butler and the baker of Pharaoh. Um, I don't know what exactly the butler and the baker did to end up in prison, but they were there. My only assumption that I have for them possibly ending up in prison is that maybe the king assumed that somebody was trying to kill him and most people try to kill kings through like their food and the butler and the baker both had access to the king's meals so i'm assuming that he assumed that they were trying to kill him so he threw him in prison that's the only thing i could think of but it, the bible never specifically says why the butler and the baker are in prison but anyway so these men are in prison and they both have dreams and they both wake up sad the next day. And Joseph asks, what's wrong with y'all? And they both say, you know, I'm confused by my dream. And Joseph, being a person who is a dreamer as well as an interpreter of dreams, he was like, you know what? Tell me what your dream is and I can tell you what it means. Okay, the butler goes first. The butler's dream is there's a vine with three branches of ripe grapes. The butler squeezes the grapes in the Pharaoh's cup and places the cup in the Pharaoh's hand. That is the butler's dream. I don't understand why that dream will make him sad or confused. I just would have thought it was a dream about me giving a drink to the Pharaoh because I'm a butler and that's what I do. But whatever, whatever the case is, he was confused by that dream. So Joseph interpreted the dream like this. In three days, he will be restored to his position by the king's side. And Joseph said, when you be restored to your position, please remember me. Remember that I interpreted this dream for you and that it came true. And the butler was like, cool. I, I don't know how I don't know how Joseph got that interpretation out of that, but you know, dream interpretation ain't my guilt. It was clearly his. 
So the baker also has a dream and he tells Joseph about his dream. So the baker's dream is there were three baskets on his head with baked goods for the Pharaoh. Birds ate the baked goods out of the basket. That's the dream. Again, I don't know why the baker would have been disturbed by that dream. They just sound like a normal dream. So like why they both were disturbed by these normal dreams is beyond me. But anyway, Joseph interprets this dream as, in three days, it is off with your head, Mr. Baker. So Joseph interpreted it, the baker's going to die in three days. And the birds are going to eat the rest of him. How he got that interpretation out of that, no clue. But, say la vie. So, both of the dreams come to pass. And the butler is restored to his position and the baker is killed. So, um, yeah. And when the butler is restored to his position, uh, he forgot about Joseph. So, <laughs> two years pass and Pharaoh has a series of dreams. And through these dreams, because he they were so disturbing, he called on all of the mythical people to help him with his dreams. So he called the astrologers, he called the um, magicians, he called soothsayers, he called palm readers, he called every spiritual person he could think of to help him interpret, interpret his dreams and nobody could because nobody understood what they were. Well, the king is disturbed at this point. So ding, 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 a, a bell go off in the butler head and he was like, oh, I met this little dude in jail who interpreted my dream and it came true. So maybe he can help you with yours. And the Pharaoh was like, well, whoever it is, bring him to me. Because at this point, he done called on everybody and their mama and nobody can tell him about his dream. So what's a little Hebrew boy in jail? Why not try him? Okay. So they go get, they go, they go get, Joseph. They go get Joseph out of prison and Pharaoh tells Joseph his dream. So here is Pharaoh's dream. Now I'm going to say this. Pharaoh's dream is hella disturbing. His is real disturbing. Compared to the butler in the baker's dream. So Pharaoh says, his dream is about cows that eat each other. Go read it for yourself. Like, honestly, the Pharaoh dream is straight up creepy as I don't know what. And I ain't even go into complete detail about what his dream was about. Because it was really creeping me. And I'm a visual person. So when I read something, I visualize what I read. And his, his dream was real creepy. But if you want to go read about what Pharaoh's dream was, it is in chapter 41 of Genesis. So go read go read what uh, Pharaoh's dream was and come back. So anyway, the short, short version of Pharaoh's dream is that cows was eating each other like half dead cows eat each other carcasses is weird go read it and so joseph interprets his dream as there will be seven years of abundance and seven years of loss and the loss will be great and it will happen soon um so joseph suggested that they gather food and store it during the seven years of abundance so that when the land goes through a famine the other seven years they will have something to hold them over and pharaoh agreed and he said since your god showed you all of this i'm gonna appoint you to my number two 
So Joseph becomes basically the vice president of Egypt. <laughs> because, you know, it's nothing but God that Pharaoh even listens to him because none of this has happened yet. He just said that's what's going to happen. And Pharaoh don't believe in the God of Israel. So just the sheer fact of him going along with what Joseph said is God. Because he could have been like, yeah, whatever, and threw him back in prison. But he didn't. He, he, he heeded Joseph's words. He appointed Joseph to a high position. And Joseph, again, is elevated. Like God legit was taking care of him. So, like I said, Joseph is elevated to so number two. He's basically the vice president over all of Egypt. He's the only person that is above him is the king, and he is above everybody else. So, again, y'all, this is a little Hebrew slave. He's a Hebrew. He is not Egyptian, and he is in a high-ranking position within the kingdom, which is crazy within the country in Egypt. Because Egypt is humongous within the country. So, and Pharaoh changes Joseph's name. Um, I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce this. I'm sorry, I cannot. Oh, it's at the bottom of the screen. But the name is Egyptian and it's at the bottom of the screen. It means God speaks and God lives. So that is what he called Joseph. That's Joseph's Egyptian name. That name is at the bottom of the screen because I legit cannot pronounce that. Kudos to you if you can. You get a cookie. So anyway, Joseph has been appointed to this high position. So he got a good job. Pharaoh was like, you can have a wife. So he gave him a wife. So Joseph ends up in this high position with a good job. He ends up with a beautiful wife. He ends up starting a family with his beautiful wife. And he has two sons. Their names are Manasseh and Ephraim. For those of you who are Bible geeks like me, you know that in the future, Manasseh and Ephraim will be two of the tribes of Israel. Um, Manessa and Ephraim, their names, uh, Joseph dedicated their names to his life, basically. Um, so once again, I think I've said this in previous videos before, um, when the Israelites named their children, their names had true meanings of whatever was going on in life or family in period their names were important and their names had meaning so joseph he he named his children according to his life journey so manasseh his name means god made me forget all the toil so basically God made him forget the heartaches that he had been through because Joseph, up to this point, Joseph had really been through some things and like I said, he never, he never whines or complained about them. And so he named this child, you know, God made me forget all the, all the pain. And then Ephraim named the Ephraim's name means God calls me to be fruitful in a land of affliction. So basically God, God made me forget the pain. God help me win. That's what his children's names mean. And that that basically sums up the life of Joseph up to this point is God made me forget the pain and God helped me win. And now he is helping Egypt 
to survive. So they store up grain and everything. They store up all type of food during the seven year of abundance. And then once the seven years pass, boom, they are struck with a famine. And Egypt, at this time, Egypt is the only country that is still flourishing. Everybody else is in a famine. They can't grow no food. They can't raise no livestock. Everything is dying. They have nothing. The land is not producing anything. And so everybody else has to come resource themselves in Egypt. So everybody's starting to travel to Egypt. So that right there is where we're going to stop. That is part two of Joseph's story. And in part three, we're going to be getting to the family reunion. Okay. I hope y'all enjoyed this video. If you like this video, please like, comment, and subscribe. You can follow me on all my social media pages at Ghetto Bible Tales. And if you want to request a story, you can leave a comment on this video or any of my videos or any of my um, social media pages. I do see y'all posts and, and I try to reply to everybody. Um, but like I said, this is part two. So we have one more part, which is part three. We're going to wrap up Joseph's story. So anyway, thank y'all for watching this video. Um, hope y'all enjoyed it. Please, if you haven't watched part one, please go back and watch it. Thank y'all for watching this video. And until next time, peace out. Thanks for tuning in. All Ghetto Baba Tale episodes are posted on YouTube simultaneously in video format. You can follow Ghetto Baba Tales on all social media pages at Ghetto Baba Tales. You can also head on over to GhettoBibleTales.com and request a story or topic that you wish for me to discuss on the show. Once again, this has been your host Jerrica and this has been the Ghetto Bible Tales. Bible Tales.